Welcome to the Thriving in the Word podcast. We are so happy to have you listening today, and it's a great conversation that we have as we dig deep in the Word. If you're enjoying the Thriving in the Word podcast, we'd invite you to like it on whichever podcast service you use, leave a comment, a rating, review, even share it on social media. Let your friends and family know about what we're doing here. We hope that you enjoy this edition of Thriving in the Word. Okay, guys, so here we are, and we are in week one of reading uh, Hosea. We've been reading, um, let's see, Hosea 1 to 7. Today we got with us uh, Johnny, our illustrious tattoo artist. <laughs> and, uh, uh, we, we, we got Jeff here, uh, we got Ben, Dave Lamana, and uh, Lenny, myself, Judah. And we're here digging into some of these... Um, what what we call minor prophets, um, not that they were any less significant than any of the major prophets, just it so happened that the books that we have recorded of them are smaller. And Hosea's got a lot jam-packed in these 14 chapters. We're splitting it into two halves here, first seven chapters. So let's just jump right in. A lot of, a lot of crazy stuff in Hosea, but let's just jump in. Anything stand out to, to anybody? Go marry a prostitute. There you go. Yep, yep. That's not exactly what stood out to me. Let's just jump right in there. Jump right in. And and that certainly is a good topic for conversation. But I I wanted to go back to something somebody had mentioned last week when I think I actually picked out Jose or said, hey, let's start doing the minor prophets. One of my colleagues uh, here said, you know, what's the relevance to people today? A lot of times people don't read the Old Testament. And, and that bothered me. I started thinking about it. I said, yeah, even I skimmed over a lot of it when I was younger, you know, to get into the New Testament. And, and I said, okay, I want to make this relevant for myself and for our group here and for anybody that might be listening. So how is that? How is it relevant? There's, there's a, a number of different ways. I'm just going to touch on one to start with to kick us off. And I thought, for me, this is important. But if we think about it, the same God that is in Hosea here, the same God that spoke to Abraham and Moses, that spoke to Hosea, is speaking to us today. Is it any different God? No. So for anybody listening, it's it's the same God. So if you believe in God, if you are a Christian, that's one of the reasons why this is relevant. The long ago messages that were in the Old Testament, and in, in, in specifically in Hosea, because that's what we're talking about, those long-ago messages provide a guide for us living today. Mm. If you read Paul in Timothy, he reminds Timothy, as well as all of us, that all Scripture, meaning Old Testament, was given by God. That's somewhere in 2 Timothy, like verse 3, uh, chapter 3, somewhere in there. Uh, I, I don't know the exact, but he reminds Timothy that all Scripture, meaning Old Testament, was given by God. God's word to the ancient prophets were part of his relationship with them, and it provided direction, it provided an expression of love. It's the same for us. It's the same God, as I said. It's, it's an eternal expression of, of the living God. Those words are meant, were meant to nurture and sustain people then and to sustain people for all time. So there is extreme relevance in the Old Testament for us today. We need to search it out, and that's what our group here does each and every week. I think as far as the relevance is concerned, the name Hosea means salvation, mm. which Jesus' name was an Aramaic name, which was Yeshua, right? Which is an Aramaic word, Yoshia, which means 
Savior. And uh, the Hebrew word for that would be Yahshua or Joshua. Yeah. So when you, when, whenever I hear this name, I get excited because I know the relevance of the name, of the meaning, right? And if you study the story, if you've actually read this, then you know the story is God spoke, which how important is that, that God is speaking? If you're seeking God with all your heart, right, mm-hmm. you will find him, right? Mm-hmm. He'll seek you back, right? So God is talking to this person and he gives the prophet something to go and do, right. which as... Ben put it, right? <laughs> Which is, go and marry a prostitute. Mm. But there's a valuable lesson that's going to be had by this man having to marry this woman, this troublesome woman, if you will, right? Yeah. So if you guys want to elaborate on the rest of the story, feel free to. But a prophet is someone who is obedient to God, who hears from God in any way that God chooses to speak to them, be it audible, visions, right, dreams, right? It could just be yeah. something he puts on your heart. Mm-hmm. But if you're listening... It's it's God's Holy Spirit that's that's conveying at least for us as you know followers of Jesus, right? Right. Yeah. So he goes and he says, "Go and do this thing." Has God ever asked you to do something that you didn't want to go and do? Right. Yeah. In my life, all right. the time. Right. All the time. Right. Well, I, I, I've joked about everybody wants to be a prophet, but nobody wants to go and marry a hooker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. It, but but ain't that the truth though, right? Yeah. You right. know, God God has put it right. on my heart to forgive people that have done me wrong, right? right? God has put it on my heart to to give to give away my possessions before. Mm. To give away money or time, right? He's he's but and if you know me, I don't like doing anything for anybody. I'm mm. I'm a very selfish person, right? Mm. So so God is taking my heart of stone, right, and He's replacing it with, with that heart of flesh, mm. right? He's going, He's giving me things to do now. Not I'm not saying I'm a prophet. I don't even want that kind of responsibility, right? Because mm. again, I'm selfish, right? But still, you can't hear from God and not obey. Because what happens when you don't obey? We see it happen in um, in Jonah, right? Mm. Jonah gets asked to go and preach to Nineveh, and we know the story. Mm. He gets swallowed by the big fish, right, and, and so on and so forth. Gets vomited three days later. You, if God's going to get something done, it's going to happen. Yeah. You, you can't overcome the sovereignty of God. And that's exactly what we see in the story where he marries Gomer. Gomer is this woman who is adulterous. Who He has children with her. They're all given these interesting names, and you know, um, no mercy, you know, etc. And then what does she go and do? She goes and she is a harlot and she goes and she, we assume, sleeps around with other people and has other lovers, etc. Mm-hmm. And she partakes of the culture of these other people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, me and Dave were talking earlier about Samaria, the Assyrian culture intermingling with uh, Ephraim mm-hmm. or, or Jacob or Jacob, right? The, that northern kingdoms where this is all taking place because you got to remember that the Israelites have been now divided into northern Israel and then Judah to the south. So they have separate kings. They have separate, you know, cultures. And where does that divide start? When when did the Israelites become divided? Mm. Can anybody even answer that? But either way, they have. We were talking about how Israelites would pass on one side of the road and they would avoid the Samaritans. Mm-hmm. And even the woman at the well was a, was a Samaritan, uh, Samaritan yep. woman, right? Yep. She says, you know, you're a Jew. You, you don't talk to us. You, know, you say we got to worship at the temple, but... Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, and it was good enough. That's how much the, the kingdoms were divided, right? Yeah. So that's how much everything got so um, mixed up, whether it was in Hosea, we see that they're doing new moon feasts, and they're worshipping Baal or Baal, right? They're doing all these acts of whoredom, right? They're, they're watering down God's high priesthood, mm-hmm. his chosen people, right? So you see, you see all this stuff happening, right? And what does God tell Hosea to do? Be faithful to her. Mm-hmm. take her back and love her. Mm-hmm. So what I see in this is I see ultimately it echoing where we see it everywhere else in scripture that God is faithful and mankind or humanity is not faithful. Mm-hmm. Right? Take, take that to today. Again, a, a lot of the things that I'm going to say about this book are to show the relevance 
to people today who may not want to read Scripture, Old Testament Scripture. So our world, or at least our country, in my opinion, and I'm thinking a lot of people might agree with this, is in the midst of a, a you know turmoil. Let's just take our country. Hosea, he offered a prophecy. And in spite of what was going on there, the people had left God, as Johnny was just saying, uh, and they left God behind. Hosea goes through that. Hosea shows what forgiveness and restoration look like. For me, forgiveness is very important because I've, I've sinned. So I can identify with that, and I can identify with those people. God, uh, Hosea shows what forgiveness and restoration is like from God. And, and Hosea, going back to what I started to say about our world being in turmoil, at least our world being in the United States, Hosea offers a prophecy of hope in the midst of doom and gloom at, at his time. Mm-hmm. So think of that. If we're reading this and say, okay, if this can happen then and there was hope, why can't there be hope for us now? And that's the way I look at it. Not only hope, but that forgiveness and restoration that I alluded to. Mm. You know, a, a couple things that I think are worth considering and uh, realizing through this um, First off is just a little bit of, of context here. The very first verse that we read says, The Lord gave this message to Hosea, son of Beri, during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. Jeroboam was son of Jehoash. And one thing I will make about the division that Johnny was just talking about, it, the way I understand it, the primary reason why there was a division between Israel and Judah was because God had promised to David to keep uh, his line in power, but they became corrupt. So in order to to keep his promise, but yet guide the nation in other directions, he allowed it to be split off so that David's lineage could still remain in power, but not be controlling the entirety of uh, the Jewish people at that time. But we have these, these kings mentioned, uh, Uzziah, Jotham, uh, Ahaz, Hezekiah, and then also Jeroboam. What do we know about these kings? U- Uzziah, like, like, there's a lot of evil, wicked kings. Uh, Jeroboam w- was one of them. That he was, he was a pretty bad dude. Uzziah, though, actually wasn't a bad king. Like, he actually followed God. But when we read Scripture, you know what it says about Uzziah? It says he followed God, but he didn't tear down the altars. In uh, Judah, Jotham was Uzziah's son. Well, actually, Uzziah, his, his main uh, his main problem that he had was that pride got in the way, and as a king, he went into the temple and decided that he was going to burn the incense that day, and that was something that was forbidden. That was only something that the priests were able to do, and he burned the incense, and God struck him with leprosy. And that was what he ended up, you know, had to live in isolation for the rest of his life. Jotham was a uh, was his son, and he rises to power. Also, follows God, but yet, what does he not do? He does not tear down the shrines, the Asherah poles, the 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 places of worship to these other gods. Even though his heart was mostly in the right place compared to others, Ahaz comes on the king uh, scene, wicked, just wicked, wicked king. Hezekiah comes on the scene. Hezekiah was a great king. Um, he he kind of ended up getting swayed later on in life as well. But, I mean, these weren't like the worst of the worst kings yeah. that, that these nations had ever seen. 
However, I think it makes it even more poignant because, you know, if they were just bad kings, then God could easily just wipe them out or, or whatever. But the fact that they were kind of lukewarm, the fact that they were kind of like they were serving God, but yet they were still allowing these other things to take place, I think is what precipitated the need for someone like Hosea. Saying, you know, overall, like, there's some good things going on here. Like, being married. Like, this is a good thing. But you're still prostituting yourself over <laughs> on the side yeah. to these idols. And you're saying you want to follow me. You're saying that you want to, you know, be the my people. And yet, you won't go and tear down these idols and these altars and these uh, places of, of idolatry in this country. You're still doing your own thing. How does that relate to us? Like, what things in our life are we not tearing down? What things are we yeah. allowing to stay erect? We're saying, oh, I'm following God, but I'm not tearing that down. You can't serve it's two a, masters. You can't love both God and money. Yeah. I was thinking, again, that that's yeah. exactly the relevant point. When, when Judah mentions Uzziah or Ahaz, and, and some of these kings, you know, did turn to Christianity, but they didn't give up everything else. Even before you get to us, we read in Paul, I don't know if it was the Galatians, what, what letter it was, maybe somebody can help me here, Paul said the same thing. He had to write that letter because while they were converted to Christianity, they hadn't given up the pagan gods either. They were double dipping, if you will. They were doing both. And, and, and Paul said, no, you can't do that. It's one or the other. So we go from the Old Testament to Paul <clears throat> in the New Testament. And then as Judah said to ourselves, what are we not giving up? We're Christians, but are we totally divorced from our former lives of sin, that sinful nature that... I mentioned to you, Johnny, at the beginning, yeah. uh, before anyone was there. Are, are we doing that? So there's the relevance. There's there's plenty of relevance yeah. in this, and the it's Bible, easy to find. Yeah, the Bible echoes the, I always call them reoccurring themes, but double-mindedness. Anyone who's double-minded is unstable in all these things that, that they do. You can't serve two masters, right? You can't you can't do that. God God wants glory only for his namesake, only for him, right? Like, he, he does not share. Like, you won't put false idols before me. Over and over again, he talks about literally idolatry. Mm. He compares greed to idolatry. He actually doesn't even compare. He says it is idolatry. Right. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. all these sins, no matter what they are, God has a very simple plan for us and for our lives. To love him, which we should do freely upon our own free will, our own accord, right? And to love other people and be his representative. Like you said, to be an ambassador while we're here, like we were talking earlier. Mm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, and I think the important thing of a book like Hosea, and this comes down to just our mentalities as people, when we read this, we try to kind of say, like, like where do I fit in and, 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 and kind of, like, like, make ourselves part of the story. And it's easy to gravitate thinking, like, well, you know, I'm like the Hosea here. When the reality is, is we're like the Gomer here. Exactly. You know, I mean, that, that, that's what this whole illustration was, was that Hosea, like you mentioned, what was the Redeemer, the Savior, of Gomer, Her, yeah, and and so so he was representative of God in this crazy object lesson that God chose to do. I mean, again, I mean, I mean, I joke about you know marrying a prostitute. I mean, and it's not 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 that you know um, that there's anything wrong with that in and of itself, but the fact that he says I specifically want you to marry her because I want some of your kids like. Their, their their birth to be questionable. Like I want her sleeping around with other people so that we can, you know, show what's going on in this nation right now. Expose it. Yeah. yeah. And when you when when we look at Hosea's life again, you know, all it, I don't know if any why anybody would say that the scriptures are not relevant. As I went through this and and it's just crazy. But if you look at Hosea's life and it's think about your own lives. Anybody that's listening, anybody here, anybody in the world. 
Think of your own lives. Hosea's life was not any type of encounter with the idealism of life. That wasn't it. His, in, his encounter, his life was about the harshness and reality of life. The har- I mean, that, and that's what we face too. We have this uh, idyllic vision sometimes of life that when we're younger of what it's going to be like. But that's all it is, is, is an idyllic vision or an idyllic version maybe of life. Now, we don't generally have an encounter with that idealistic world that we want. Maybe a dystopian one like Animal Farm or 1984, mm. but certainly not an idealistic world. Mm. We do, however, in my mind, and I would venture to say all of you have, because I know I have, deal with the harshness of its reality, of <clears throat> life's reality, every day, just as in Hosea's time, just as he did, and just as everybody else at that time did, and from ages on. That's why it's important to know that the God who spoke to Abraham and Moses, as I said, in all through Scripture, in all through time, is speaking to us today. Mm. Same God. All right, so yeah, I wanted to bring up specifically Hosea 6, 6 to 6, 7. But I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings, the knowledge of God, to know God, right? But like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. There they dealt faithlessly with me. So without faith. Which, when I read Hosea, that's, that's another reoccurring theme, is that mankind, God will r- raise a king to power in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. They know who God is. God's helping them win battles or, or, or get them through their hard times, their lowest lows. And then what happens? It equalizes from a valley up to a peak. Life goes back to normal. And then they lose their faith. All of a sudden, they don't need God anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like that expression. There's no atheists in foxholes, right? Yeah. You know, it, it's easy to forget God in every aspect of your life. The, the, the real challenge is being faithful all the time, not just when you need him, but to be there when, when you don't need him, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's already blessing your life, right? Yeah. So, again, one of those reoccurring themes that stood out to me. While we're right there, I, I happen to highlight the two above that. I'm going to read it out of my book. Again, chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. O Israel and Judah, what should I do with you? Asked the Lord. For your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight. I sent my prophets to cut you to pieces. To slaughter you with my words, with judgments as inescapable as light. In other words, if you are going to be a person with fleeting loyalty, or in this case, this country, or all the people in that country, because in, in, in fact, a country is made of people, but if you have fleeting loyalty, it's going to be followed by sharp judgment. Mm. And God, let, let me go back and read four again, only substitute a couple of my words. Oh, David and Ben, what should I do with you? Ask the Lord. Mm. Okay, you can put any name in there you want and then say, for your love vanishes like the morning mist. Just what we were talking about yeah, before, right? Where, where we, are we <clears throat> there all the way or do we have other gods that we're worshiping too, whether they be materialistic things, whatever it is. You and I, Johnny, you, num- you, you named them this morning. Cars, uh, home, whatever Money, it was, right? Yeah, yeah. Money, um, all of that. Temptations, it, yeah. I mean, just put your own name in verse four and then read it and just read the whole thing. Yeah, I think that's like, Ultimately, what I took out of this uh, Hosea 1 through 7 that we read is you see, he says here in, I believe it's um, chapter 5, verse uh, 13. When Ephraim saw his sickness in Judah, his wound, they went to Assyria to the king. So, so they didn't go to God for their ailments. They didn't mm-hmm. go to God for their problems. They went to the ruling class or, or, mm-hmm. or the nobility uh, 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 at that time, the, the power structure or that city, please help us. We need your help. They, they didn't go to God, even though they used to know God, right? So that, that word adultery, 
or whoredom that's used in this in this mm-hmm. book is what is adultery? It's it's you have you have one agreement with a, with a with a husband or a wife that we will be exclusive, we'll raise a family, we'll do this together, we'll, we will be united. But then you're sending mixed signals to that that husband or wife because now you're running off and mm-hmm. going to in this case Assyria or whichever other place. Mm. So that's so I feel like God is telling us this is how I feel when you're double minded. Mm-hmm. I feel like we have an agreement. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. I will love you. I will provide for you. And the evidence is the history of what I've done on earth. Mm. All my prophecies have come true and that are in scripture. Your heart beats because it's because of me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm the breath of life, right? Uh, the light of the world. And then what, what do you see? How, how quickly it, it, like, do, it just disappears in the morning, right? So, mm-hmm. again, God is faithful. Mankind is not. And God is trying to illustrate to us, have faith in me. In, in my own personal life, this is like a little personal testimony. I don't know if I've shared it yet um, on the podcast, but I'm a professional artist, uh, tattoo artist, and we got shut down because of COVID, right? They, they, there was different phases of reopening and, and so on and so forth. And so I was out of work for about three months, mm-hmm. right? And my wife's like, we got a mortgage, we got the kids, what are we going to do for money? And I said to her, I said, you know, I feel like God is putting it on my heart to, to be faithful. I keep getting these, reading the Bible and these messages that how God is faithful, God is faithful. So I felt like God was telling me, trust me, trust me. I kept hearing that in my heart. Trust me, trust me. And I told my wife, I said, I'm not going to apply for any of that $6 trillion stimulus money from Donald Trump. I'm just not going to. I feel like God is talking to me and I'm going to be obedient. And she's like, Johnny, you are crazy. <laughs> you know? She's like, she's yeah. like, you need to, you know, try to find work and, 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 and to be like, you know, submissive to my wife, as it mm-hmm. says in, in Ephesians, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I threw out a few applications, you know, stop and stop and stop. <laughs> but I mean, think about all the applications they were getting. They were never going to hire me. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't even finish high school. So, yeah. so they're, they're not going to hire a guy like me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, where have you been working for the past, you know, nine years tattooing people? They're, they're not going to hire you to stock shelves, period. Yeah. You know? so, <laughs> yeah. But I did it to, you know, to, to love my wife and to be submissive in that in that regard. But, Johnny, uh, you got to flip that. They won't hire you because you're overqualified. I'm over the age, probably. They don't <laughs> yeah. Pay some $50 an hour, but, yeah, I want benefits. No, I'm kidding. No. But, but ultimately, I felt like God was telling me to trust him. And I've never felt that much conviction in my life with God speaking to me. Mm-hmm. So what did I do? I, uh, I started doing that ministry three days a week to the best of my ability, which I, I did a small group for Thrive Church. It was called Sharper Than Any Two-Edged Sword. We did apologetics, current events, you know, how to, how to always have an answer when someone asks, you know, for a reason for our hope that lies within, as, you know, as Paul says in, in the New Testament. And sure enough, over that, that period, I was making zero dollars, mm-hmm. but I was serving the Lord, right? And I was meeting people. He was pulling people out of the woodwork, people that didn't even go to Thrive. I was having conversations with, you know, I was helping um, teach, I guess, and correct some of their theology, you know, mm-hmm. pointing them to where the answers are in God's word, right? My first paycheck back after three months was enough to cover three months worth of bills. Wow. Like, and then every paycheck after that, it was the same thing. God was just like, you know what to do with this money now. So I started mm-hmm. helping people as much as I could with the resources that he had, had given me. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those things where at that time in my life, again, just to end this testimony is I trusted God when every fiber of my body was like, don't. My right. flesh was like, don't. Yeah. And my wife was like, you're crazy. You better get a job. You better figure out what, like, what we're going to do. Mm. And I said, you know, I'm just going to. So I, I must have sounded crazy. And I, I kept telling her. 
I said, I feel like I'm like raising my voice to my wife. I'm like, I'm like, this is exactly how Noah felt. He's building this giant boat. Yeah. So I was like, what are you doing? You know? I'm like, I'm telling you. And she's like, oh, you're so special. And she mocks me. She's like, oh, she's like you're so special. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you just don't understand. I just want you to understand. But I think she finally realized that, you know, I'm crazy. Crazy yeah. about God. You know what I mean? So God's so. giving you a good wife. <laughs> yeah. To Lord, put up with you. Yes. Yes. Honestly, you say that, but for real, I'm so thankful that I have her. Yeah, you know? Yeah. That's what I love that Jesus doesn't do anything in vain. I mean, you were given some instruction, and you were obedient to listen. And what happens when we don't listen, then we miss the mark. We miss where Jesus is trying to take us. Yeah. I mean, that's how this this whole book started in verse in verse uh, 2. Go and marry a prostitute so that, uh, yeah, like we've been saying, so she can conceive children from prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So when you were in that season of wondering what you need to do, you were like battling. Like you think about like the little cartoons with the little devil and, and the, angel. the little angel. <laughs> come on, come over here. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Jesus is trying to use you as an illustration to show people and steer them to the direction that they were supposed to go. Yeah. You know, it didn't, it didn't feel like a devil on my shoulder. What it felt like was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. There is a path that seems like it's the right way, but it is not the right way. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, like literally like, 99% of me was like, go and do this. And this 1% was like, you know, in your heart or whatever, in my, you know, walking in the spirit was like, go this way. So mm-hmm. I, I defied the world, my flesh, and my wife in that aspect. But, you know, <laughs> but, I, but I was obedient to God, you know. So, and, and it worked out really well. So all I can say is mm. listen to that still small voice, you know. Mm. Like, pay attention, you know. Mm. What, what, what do they say? You know, the only sin you can't be forgiven for is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Mm. And it says, don't, um, don't stifle the Holy Spirit, right, right. in Scripture. So I feel like that was the Holy Spirit. That was like, you know, God's Spirit living in me as the temple, you know? Yeah, I had that, that part highlighted too. I just One thing I found interesting, it's not really much of like, like for text-wise, just an observation I had, was that chapter 6 ends, uh, at least in the translation I was looking at, not NLT, it was another translation I was looking at, the chapter 6 literally ended in the middle of a sentence, and then chapter 7 picked up the sentence. Does that happen? I, have, I don't think I've seen that before. In the Bible, where it's just mid-sentence, just cut off. Mm. Mm-hmm. Usually they finish at least a thought before jumping chapters. Yeah, I mean, th- th- those designations are just something that people kind of, like, put in there after the fact and just kind of... The only thing I can think of them. is, like, maybe, like, when they originally got these off of uh, whatever they were originally written on, maybe that was where the break was. Yeah, I don't know. Because I know a lot of it's split up like that, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's, yes. like, wherever the tablet ended. That's true. Yeah. Pastor Lenny brought up Jesus, and um, you know, and earlier Ben and uh, Dave were talking about what's the relevance of the minor prophets and why we should look at the Old Testament. But I call them Jesus proofs. Um, in Ephesians two eleven through twenty one, they talk about the new humanity and how you know Jesus in the Old Testament, or I should say, the Messiah was prophesied that he would unite Jew and Gentile, that there was no slave or free, you know, Scythian, barbarian, male, female, that we're all united as one in under this Messiah, this 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 King of Glory for God, right, Emmanuel, God walking among us, right? Mm-hmm. So when you read the story of Gomer and God's faithfulness, that's what you're seeing is he's saying, you know, have these children outside of wedlock or, or, or maybe in wedlock, but give them these names, right? And what does that do? God says, you know, I don't even recognize you as my people anymore because you don't recognize me as your God anymore, right? So these people have mixed with these other cultures, the Assyrians and so on and so forth. They've watered down, I don't want to say their bloodline, but the high priesthood, God's mm-hmm. chosen people. They've, they've intermingled cultures and food and ceremonies and, and gods, you know, lowercase g, etc. right? So when I read the story, I also see Jesus in this book of the Bible, the Old Testament, because who was the one who was going to unite Jew and Gentile? 
You know, it's, uh, you know, God promised Abraham that your descendants would be like the sand of the sea, right? Yeah. And would unite those people. Who, who could possibly do that? You know, so I don't know. It's just one of the things that stood out to me was how it corresponds to the Old Testament as well as Ephesians uh, 2, 11 through 21, mentioning Jesus, you know? Also, because like, that's basically what's happening here, right? Uh, you, you, yeah. You, you see Gomer's, uh, I shouldn't say Gomer, Hosea's household, he's a prophet for goodness sake. You know right. what I mean? You know, a, a Hebrew of Hebrews, if you will. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and what is happening to his own family? The, I, I, dare I say the bastardization of their, their blood or, yeah. their, or their culture or their people or their spirituality, right? So Jesus and God, God the Father, you could water it down all you want. You're not, it, it's not too big of a problem for God. God is sovereign. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that humanity can do to stop God's will or God's prophecies or God's plan for what is to come, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if it's Adam and Eve in the garden eating the fruit, the forbidden fruit. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, Abraham, um, you know, going and, you know, rebelling. It doesn't matter if it's Jacob rebelling. It doesn't matter any of these people who walked with God or knew God failing their end of the bargain, so to speak, losing their faith, as it were, right? Mm. God is sovereign. God is faithful. God is bigger than all of those problems. You're not going to throw a wrench in the works of God's plans, no. period. You know. But can we have a moment of silence for Lohu Rahama, or whatever her name was? This poor girl named, like, not loved. <laughs> like, like, holy cow. Yeah. Imagine growing up with that, you know, especially yeah. a girl for crying out loud. It's like, hey, not loved, would you come over here? Yeah, like, yeah. These... Like, the modern, like the modern equivalent would like if you named your, your daughter ugly. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. No, I think it's far worse. <laughs> yeah. I don't love you is your name. Right, right. Yeah. 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 Hatred. No, true. Hatred. Hatred. Yeah. It's like, yeah. but, um, what were the three names? It was like, no mercy, no love, and what was yeah, the, 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 the Lo am I, which is not love, Lo, as Judas just said, Lo Ruhama. Not love. The other one is not not my people. Low um. Oh, that's low, yeah. 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 The first one it didn't give a specific. Definition. So one of the names has been like not mine. Je- 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 not Jezreel. mine. Jezreel was said about, he was going to punish uh, the dynasty, and then you got you know not loved oh, and not my people. But you know I I think the the beauty of this um, and it begin, begins to come aware or begins to present itself in chapter 2, where it's going on along where God is speaking about his people, but speaking in terms of husband and wife and prostitution, right? Because he's saying, you know, now I'm going to bring these charges against Israel, your mother, she's no longer my wife, you know, I'm going to strip her naked, and all this stuff. The kids were conceived in prostitution, the mother's a prostitute, goes on and on. I think that many people, just from a physical standpoint, having gone through what Hosea went through, would probably be like, I'm done. Right? It's like, I mean, you know, I mean, it's not even just this person, you know, cheating on them. It's like, you're going out actively prostituting yourself. Mm-hmm. And and it's just like the, the, the amount of betrayal, whatever else. Um, but here in 2.14, it begins here. And, and I don't know, it just strikes me as like this infinite amount of love and compassion. He says, but then I'll win her back once again. I'll lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. And talking about freeing her. Oh, Israel, I'll wipe the names of Baal from your lips. And I'll make a covenant with you. And. I'll be faithful to you and I'll make you mine. And he just continues on, just like showering. This says, I will show love to those I called not loved. You know, that that we named. And and to those people I called not my people. And now I'll say, now you are my people. And they'll reply, 
you are our God. And then Hosea then goes out and acts this out in chapter 3. It says, then the Lord said, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. Mm. This will illustrate the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship him. So what is Hosea? Hosea is a love story of God with it. his people. I mean, it, it's it, star-crossed lovers. Where the whole thing, they're, they get together, fall apart. Get together, fall apart. It's You yeah. say his people, and that makes my mind think of, you know, the Israelites or, or Judah or whatever, but his people is all mankind. Right. Mm. No matter if you didn't grow up as a Christian or a Jew, doesn't matter if you grew up Muslim, doesn't matter anything, you know, if, if, you, if you're agnostic or, or uh, atheist, you are God's people because he created you. Right. And he loves you so much. Not only does he keep your heart beating and put, you know, the breath in your lungs, but he's willing to fight for you and go after you when you've done, you've given him no reason to. Right. And what would we do? How quick are we to say, well, I'm just going to write that person off who did me wrong. You right. Know? Or worse, I'm going to be spiteful. I'm going to get, I'm going to exact revenge on them. You right. want to mess with me? Now I'm going to mess with you. Right. That's not the character of God that we see in the story. This is, this is a love story. Yeah. Not just romantic love, but this is a agape like unconditional yeah. love story god's love well it's showing both sides it's showing god's love and then he's showing you know he's teaching hosea to demonstrate it but it, again it's like it's a tough it just, tall order. It, it just goes to show you though that there's no nowhere that you can run that is too far from god right there's nothing that you mm-hmm. can do that separates you and we see this later in scripture nothing that, that we can do that separates us from god's love and, and even in this case, we see the, the nation of Israel, we see all these things, we see us sitting here in this room and how we've prostituted ourselves to the idols in our lives. The idols that I mentioned in the beginning, the kings refused to tear down. And they prostituted themselves there. And, and, you know, and, and we think that all God wants is a sacrifice. All God wants is a sacrifice. All God wants is... So he's like, I don't want your stinking sacrifices. I just want you to obey me. I just want you to love me in return. I just want to have a relationship with you. And I'll forgive you. Like, all is forgiven if you just come back and you put your trust and faith in me. And then you know, like, you, just far, you can run as far as you want. You can hide. And I just kept thinking of the, the Bugs Bunny cartoon. The guy's trying to run it. Every time he goes into another room, he's like, what's up, Doc? He's mm. like, no, he's in here, too. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard God compared to Bugs Bunny before, so that's a first, Ben. <laughs> well, think of it. Jesus was an ice cream man, a travel guy. Now he's Bugs Bunny. <laughs> well, the part about running, I, yeah. I, I can identify with that. Uh, that's what As a we former do. Runner, I, yeah. I know I do. You, you, throughout my life, I've you know, run away from God and uh, pursued uh, other interests. Let's say the things that we're talking about, uh, you know, all the bad things that uh, Satan or the devil or evil uh, offers us. And then we get enveloped in that and running away, and it, it destroys uh, it destroys us from the inside. You know, any sensitivities that we have, any tenderness that we have, uh, it's destroyed. We let it happen. And God, God and I talked about this free will. We have the free will. We we don't have to do that. God's not making us do that. Mm. Uh, we we have the choice. He gave us choice, and we we many times, speaking for myself, run away from God, and He still all that time says is saying to us at least i'm getting out of this and comment on this if you will that this covenant i made with you is permanent whether you know it or not it's permanent Mm -hmm. and and yes i will seek retribution i will seek judgment at times from you when you have strayed 
uh, beyond a certain point, and, and I think I need to do that, but I will always call you back. The door will always be open. Uh, it, it, there's always an opportunity. Uh, the, door, well, the door of forgiveness is always open. Let me mm-hmm. use that analogy. It's always open, and we just have to go through it. Do we mm-hmm. want to is the question. Do we take that opportunity to go through the door of forgiveness that God always leaves open, leaves open after we've run away? Like the story of the prodigal son uh, or the forgiving father, whichever, you, whichever mm. way you want to title that, stories like that. Well, Hosea 6, you know, I, I know we've, we've bounced around later in the chapter a little bit, but I want to just go back to the first, you know, three verses here. And I think it kind of sums up the conversation that we're having quite well because it says, Come, let us return to the Lord. And, and then these next phrases are difficult to maybe process to some extent because he says, He has torn us to pieces, yes. but now he'll heal us. That's right. He has injured us, and now he'll bandage our wounds. And people have a hard time with that, right? It's like, how could a loving God allow XYZ to happen? How could this <laughs> happen? Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? And, and here he says, He's torn us to pieces, but now he'll heal us. And it's not God that's specifically torn them to pieces, but by, by the actions in their own life, that how they've separated themselves. And then him, as a loving father, it's like, hey, I'm going to pull you back. And if I have to, you know, use a little bit of force to get you back here on the right path, torn us to pieces, now he'll heal us. He's injured us, now he'll bandage our wounds. In just a short time, he'll restore us so that we may live in his presence. Exactly. And it's like, what, what a wonder to, to be able to live in God's presence. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on and know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn yeah, or the coming of rains in early spring. So good. And, and I, I just feel like, like that kind of sums it up. It's like his relationship with us. It's like saying, come. Um, not that this is the written word of God, but, you know, a lot of scriptures, they'll put like little headings, you know, on this. And in the heading on this particular part, at least in New Living, is, is a call to repentance, mm-hmm. right? Which is, what is he doing? He's calling us to repent, to turn from our sin and to come back to him. He's like, come back, come back. You know, all will be forgiven. You can live in my presence again. It's this invitation, unlike any other invitation. And some people may feel that it's harsh, but nowhere else in any other religious ideology in the world is forgiveness so freely offered. Where it's saying, doesn't matter what you've done. You don't have to earn right. forgiveness. It's just given because I love you. Right. You know, when I read this six in the beginning there, it made me think of when I was teaching my daughters how to ride their bicycles. They're close in age. Mm. And um, sure enough, my older daughter, Lola, she's the more sensitive one. She, she ends up falling on the bike. She scrapes her knee. She's crying. And just like, how could you let that? Why did you let go of the bike seat? You told mm. me you were holding on, mm. which truthfully I was lying because I was trying to get her to pedal by herself, <laughs> right? Gyroscopic baby, right? Yeah. So, so, so she's all upset with me. But I told her, I said, you know, you're going to have to scrape your knees to learn how to ride a bike. You're going to have to learn how to fall. Like, and what ended up happening is my daughter has a, my family, we love cycling. So mm. my daughter has a love for bicycles now because mm. it's family time. It's mm. love. But she had to get through the wounds right. to be able to get the joy mm. of what I was trying to show her. Yeah. So God does let us get wounded so mm. he can bind up our wounds so that we can experience his presence. We can experience his joy. Mm. Like that refreshing spring rain mm. on the dry, parched ground. You know? Yeah. Again, chapter 6, just beyond what Judah read in verse 4, the second part, after he says what Judah read there, excuse me, a call to repentance, if you will. Here's what, you know, he's torn us to pieces. He's done all this. Let us respond. That verse 4, that second half of it, 
what should I, well, he says in the first part, what should I do with you? For your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight. We touched on that before. And I think, and again, most of this relates to me. That's how I come up with these things. Surface repentance mm. is not satisfactory. Right. And that's what we're talking about. That's what Jose is talking about here uh, in the words of God, verse 4. For your love vanishes like the morning light and disappears like dew in the sunlight. So that comes after all those things. He's torn us to pieces. He's injured us. He's di- Surface repentance will not cut it. In other words, I say, you know, there's been times in my life, I don't know about you folks, where I've said, Lord, please let this happen and I won't do it again. I'm sorry and I won't do it again. You know, I promise. Surface repentance. That's what I call that. Not going to cut it, folks. Right. It's just not going to cut it. I try to barter every now and then. Barter, <laughs> yeah. There's another thing I do. Yeah, Lord, do this and, I, and, and please let this happen here. And I, yeah. you know, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, repentance, right? It's one of those things where we think of it as, you know, we have to repent, repent, the end is near, whatever, right? The beginning yeah. is near. But it really yeah. just means to turn towards God again. Yeah. Just to focus on God again, right? When, what, when, when you get better, it gets better. Yeah, right. You know, when you're reading the Bible more, you're, you're depending on God more. When you're praying more, you're depending on God more. And you're able to see circumstances through because you have Jesus' help. And he's been able to carry you along the way for other things that you've gone through. And it just, it'll remind you that Jesus is... It's going to guide you through almost everything, everything. Mm. Yeah, and in Hosea, too, quite literally, it's about adultery, right? So my parents are divorced, and there was adultery that took place in my, my family, right? My mother ended up cheating on my father, and it tore my family apart, right? Not that I'm looking for, like, you know, what was me pity party, but it's just when I, when I read stories like this, they cut to my core. They make me think back to that time in my childhood that was so traumatic for me, you know? Mm. And um, I always question, like, why would my, why would my mother do that? Mm. You know, and it's selfishness, it's pride, right? Mm. It's, even though my father loved her, she felt like she needed to get something from somewhere else. Just like we see here that they ran to Assyria to go to get the, what, mm. they, what they thought they needed. Mm. You know, they're, they're not being spirit-led. They're not walking in the spirit. They're not worshiping in truth and spirit. They're living in the flesh. So when scripture talks about spiritual warfare and our three enemies, our own flesh, the world, and the Satan, or the devil, Right? What do you see there? Adultery is a crime of passion, right? Adultery is the flesh. It's the mm. temptations that we see, be it a bowl of candy on this table, right? <laughs> <laughs> or be it, you know, um, members of the, uh, or I should say, you know, sexual attraction, right? Right. right? That's, that's, a, that's the flesh desiring something. Mm. It could be wealth or power, celebrity and fame. I mean, pick something that you want. Like me and Dave were talking about, you know, cars and, and houses or whatever it is. But you're sitting there and you're coveting something. You're definitely living fleshly when you're sitting there and you're like, I need a bigger house. I need a bigger boat. Or I, or I need a boat. I need a vacation. Mm. I need this. I need. Do we really need that? Mm. Or do we need Jesus? Do we really need that? Or do we need God? Mm. Doesn't God provide? Yeah. People say money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah, but food does, right? Yeah. right. God has made the, the good earth rich in everything that we need. Mm. right? And, but what are we focused on? Do I have enough apples? Right? Do it, you know, I, I want the biggest, shiniest one. Mm. And it, tur- it turns into the, like... The prettiest one. Well, mm. well that's what... Well, yeah, you, you make yeah. the joke, but it's so true. So... What, you know, Gomer is over here and she's living a flesh-led life, mm. yeah. a life of temptation, mm. right? And it's, God says, you know, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of what? Strength, sound mind, and of what? Self-control, right? Self-control. Gomer didn't have self-control, but right. guess who did? Hosea, who obviously is the representative, the ambassador of God's character, right? 
be yeah. the salt and the light. That's definitely what he was doing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that brings up you, you're, what you're talking about, Johnny, is interesting to me about God, what Gomer did, what Hosea did. And, and a lot of it has to do with a theme that I, I, I don't know if you folks saw it, but it just kept popping out, so I under, underlined. I'm, I'll just do a couple. I didn't even go back through the you know, 7 through, I mean, 8 through 14, but you look at chapter 4. And if you look, at, it's the first verse, the, the, the end of the first verse, it says, you know, this is the Lord's case against Israel. The case, that's what my uh, subtitle says, Judah, mm. uh, you know, it must be similar to yours because you told me by, that I had that one about repentance there. But the, the second part of that, and, and part of that, verse 1, 4, 1, there is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land, mm. Okay. Go down to verse 6 in chapter 4, just a few few verses down. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. No knowledge of God, they don't know me. And then go over to chapter 5, verse 4. The end of that, you are a prostitute through and through, and you do not know the Lord. This is what you're talking about. People, uh, they didn't know God. Israel did not know God. They, They went away from him, they don't know God. And that's all... God wants us to do is to know Him. That relationship Judah spoke that, about. That, yeah. that relationship that Judah spoke about. I keep, and that kept popping up to me uh, as I was reading this. Okay, there's a lot of times in her when, when God is speaking through Hosea that we, we don't know God, we don't know the Lord. And so we need to question ourselves, do we know God or how good do we know Him? And, and when do we know Him? Is it all the time? And it goes back to, again... You know, when 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 we want him, mm. do do we know God? And that's that's the crux of this for me. I said, okay, alrighty. And even as as we go on there, we find out the priests didn't want to recognize him, and the priests and the pastors mm. and you know the officials led the people astray. Again, for anybody that is concerned with this or or or, or wants to uh, analyze this question, do you know God? Do we know God? Do I know God? Do we well? Do we know God well enough too? So in my testimony yeah. about COVID, right? enlightening to me, right? That I trusted him and it worked and it worked out, you know, in my favor tenfold of what I could ever imagine, right? Right. That was one time when I was obedient. So am I being disobedient all the other times? And that's why that's like sung so like loud to me, you know, Mm. it rang like a bell to me. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, does, I I say this all the time, does my disobedience to God's will for me, right? Is that, is that a, a direct reflection? So are my sins and disobedience to God a direct reflection of the fact that I don't have faith strong enough? I pray God grow my faith. That's one of my common prayers, right? And my lack of faith is because I don't know God as well as I should. Mm. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I know exactly what I mean because I said that to you at the beginning here, and I've said it to this group before, and I forget if it's in Galatians or Ephesians, but where Paul says, and I, I say it every morning in my prayers, lead me, you know, do I have that faith, Johnny, that you're talking about? Lead me out of a life in sin to a life in the Spirit. Lead me away from my sinful nature to a life in the spirit. I, I'm just not there yet. Mm. And, and, and if I can just go on one, one more piece there. Chapter 5, I had just read to you, you don't know the Lord. That was verse 4. Read the beginning of chapter uh, of, of, of verse 5 in chapter 6 there. The arrogance, my book says, the arrogance of Israel testifies against her. All right? What is arrogance? Here we go again. One of my pet peeves, pride. Right. And you had mentioned it before, Johnny, pride. Their pride, the arrogance of Israel testifies against her. Does our arrogance, does our pride ever testify against us? Mm. I ask God 
and I ask in front of each of you right now, strip me of my pride. Mm. Yeah, our sins that offend God, right? It's it's definitely that we we don't know God as well as we should. But I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, right, you're seeking after Him, right? You're you're trying to thrive in the Word for sure, right? So yes, yeah. Well, and I think that's where we'll wrap it up now. But is this idea of okay, if I am in this story compared to Gomer, like what am I chasing after that is not pleasing to God? Like you know, he he is actively pursuing me and in my life and trying to get me to turn back to him and and in what areas of my life do i need to put aside repent turn back and when we do he'll accept us with open arms yeah well we We skipped around here a lot um in hosea uh one to seven but uh i think there's so much more left here to dig out so let's stay in this first half a little bit longer And we'll continue going through chapters 1 to 7. We'll pick up next week. Let's continue reading it. Whatever. Four plus. We'll leave it at that. Four plus. If if you want to do it 12 times, that's great. (laughs) Um, And then we'll pick back up next week. Well, we hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on the Thriving in the Word podcast. We invite you to leave a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this podcast also consider sharing it on social media we can't wait to be back together with you at the thriving in the word podcast